Welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, where we challenge and equip men, husbands, and fathers to become the spiritual leaders of the home. Let's dive right in. It's time for war. Are you prepared to battle? This is more than a devotional. It's a training manual for the battleground to the spiritual war that is taking place on your family right here, right now. It's time to quit giving the enemy the rights to your family and step into battle with full vengeance. You can learn more about the hands of a warrior, a men's 30-day devotional at nimrodoutdoors.com. Again, nimrodoutdoors.com. Well, what's going on, folks? This is M.A. Dozier with another Nimrod Outdoors podcast, and today we're going to dive into something that, man, I just love. I love to uh, the inner being of who I am, and that is worship. Um, you know, I love to worship. I I love worship music. Um, it is something that uh, is just ingrained in me. Uh, I love worshiping our God and our Creator. Um, every morning when I get up, actually, I oh, basically every morning. I come downstairs, I take a shower, I come into the kitchen to start the coffee, and right when I'm starting the coffee, I say, hey, Google, play some worship music, and worship music starts playing as the coffee's going, I'm putting up dishes, and I'm just listening to um, just music of, of worship, and uh, it just sets my mood, sets my tone for the day, um, and to be honest with you, I know there's a lot of other great music out there. Um, I'm not a music buff. I'm not musically inclined at all, and so I know that there's other great uh, lyrical music and, uh, and you know, different genres that are great, uh, but for me personally, um, I just, I'm always listening to worship music. If I'm in the car, if I'm working uh, anywhere, it just, it brings a pep to my step. It puts uh, life back into my soul, um, and so we're going to kind of talk about that today as worship, and as men, are we worshiping our Lord and our Creator, our Savior, um, with everything we have, um, or are we just merely giving lip service uh, to this one who died for us on the cross. Um, and really this comes from, I was reading scripture the other day and I was in Luke and I was reading about Jesus's, uh, triumphant reentry into Jerusalem. Um, when, uh, it'd be good Friday. Uh, some, you know, they, he's coming in on a, on a donkey and people are praising and worshiping him. And if you go to Luke chapter 19, uh, and start in verse 37, this is where he comes in, and it says, As he was drawing near, already on the way down to the Mount Olives, uh, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that he had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered them, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And I read that, and man, immediately the Holy Spirit was like, in your, in your daily walk, when you're worshiping the Lord, you are literally silencing the stones. You are silencing creation. And so it kind of made me dive into a, a, maybe call it a rabbit hole, I don't know, but a deep dive into not just looking at uh, how I worship 
God with my, my mouth, but what are other forms of worship? In which ways am I actually silencing the stones in my life? Um, and so I want to ask you today, uh, are you silencing the stones that are around you uh, by how you do life and how you carry yourself and the words you speak um, and the actions and, and even further than that? We'll dive into it today. But worship, you know, I, I, I'm very analytical, so I wanted to get the actual definition of worship. And worship is the feeling or expression of reverence or adoration. Um, and so do we have an expression daily of reverence and adoration for God and for Jesus? And, uh, you know, in my own life, I want to say yes, but I'm also a flawed, flawed human being uh, that is uh, sinful at heart. Um, and so there's opportunities um, in my life in which um, maybe I don't worship God in the way I should, um, and I, I don't show others who He is through my words and actions. Um, but one way, you know, I, I think the biggest way that I think we look at worship, and the most common way we look at worship is through words and song. Um, you know, that is very common. If you go to any church service, they, they play worship music. We play worship songs. Um, you know, if you're a little old school, maybe you listen to hymns or whatever. Um, look, I'm not getting into the debate on whether hymns or contemporary music's better. Um, I will tell you this, in my own life, one of the greatest worship experiences I ever had in my life was in Ethiopia. Um, we were serving a bunch of villages out there, and there was probably, each village has its own language. So there was probably 15 to 20 different languages. Um, and the last night we were there, a bunch of kids from a bunch of different villages gave their life to the Lord. And there was a massive bonfire in the middle of, of the bush out there. And there was just one man sitting, playing a just simple hand drum. It just had a simple beat. But kids were marching and jumping and singing around the fire. I have decided today to give my life to Jesus. And they were singing it all in their different languages. And let me tell you what, that was one of the greatest worship experiences I've ever had. So if you're sitting here and you're saying, man, I need to have a full band. I need to have lights. I need to have a sound system. I need to have this. I need to have that. I'm telling you right now, you don't need all those things. And then on the other side, if you're sitting here saying that, um, you know, we don't need drums and we don't need this and we don't need that. All we need is our voices. Well, here's the thing. Everything ever created points back to who God is. And so worship is just an attitude of the heart. It is nothing more than that. So if we're going to focus on the musical instruments involved and or, uh, you know, the, the medium in which it comes through, whether it's contemporary or, you know, old school with the hymns, I think the devil has completely distracted us there. It is merely just a direction of our heart and what comes out of our heart uh, toward Christ. And so that's what I have to say to that. If you like hymns, sing your hymns. If you like contemporary music, sing your contemporary music. But shut your mouth as far as what it looks like to do things another way. As long as somebody is opening their mouth and giving glory to God, man, that's all we need to be worried about. But we worship in our words and songs. And, you know, Psalms, the book of Psalm has, I mean, it, that's all it is, is just songs of 
worship back to God. Um, some of them are him are crying out in des- desperation. Some of them are cr- are songs of praise and and glory and all that. But at the end of the day, they all point back to who God is and what He has done in in our lives, um, especially in King David's life. But Psalm seventy one eight says, "My mouth is filled with Your praise, declaring Your splendor all day long." Um, and so. Are we praising God in our words and song? You know, Acts 16, 25. And and when I say this, you know, I'm not just talking about when times are good. I'm talking about when we're in the ditch and we're in the bottom of the bottom of the pit. Um, Are we still praising God? Because in Acts 16, 25, this scripture talks about Paul and Silas and they are in prison. So if you could think about prison, but think about it almost 2000 years ago and they're probably down in a hole somewhere where all the water runoff goes down in. I mean, it's no power, no electric. They're probably chained to walls. It's so dark there that you probably can't really see anything. It smells because all these people in prison are just peeing and pooping everywhere. Um, it is not a not a wholesome situation at all. But in Acts 16.25, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the others Other prisoners were listening to them. See, in the bottom of the bottom of the pit of despair, Paul and Silas still praised God with their mouth and with their words. Can we do that? Can we say we do that? Or does our attitudes into our circumstances affect the way we worship? I think what we need to understand is, again, worship is from the heart. It is not an attitude. It is not a feeling. It is nothing more than just our heart's desire and direction back toward God. You know, I I think a lot of times as men, we struggle with this. We are very uh, dictated on our circumstances. We are very reactionary in what we do. And when something happens, we normally don't take time to really think it through and understand it and and, be. be analytical about the thing, we just react. Um, and so a lot of times we need to make sure that we are setting our, our heart uh, in, a, in a place of worship at all times so that no matter what comes knocking at our door, um, we can give God worship and, and praise in every situation. And that's hard. I'm not sitting here saying it's not, but, it, but it's hard. And a lot of times, you know, I think as men, we don't like worshiping. Now, let me tell you what. I'm I'm a dude, and I've always been this way, and I'm not afraid to go against the grain. I just am who I am. But when it comes to singing worship music, man, I get into it way more than I probably should. Um, you can ask my kids. Uh, we regularly have uh, dance parties in the kitchen while I'm listening to worship music. Um, I am openly and adamantly worshiping my God, my creator in front of my family, because I want them to know who God is. And I want them to know what he's done in my life. And so I know as a lot of guys like, man, when I'm at church, it almost breaks my heart. And maybe you're in one of these categories, but I'm just going to call you out because I don't understand it. But if, if God himself sent his son down to die on the cross for you, and we are sitting there in church in the time in which you have full availability for nobody to judge you for how you worship the creator of the universe. And all you do is stand there like a dang two by four, not moving. Your mouth's not moving. You're just standing there. You're just letting someone else worship for you. 
Um, man, I'm going to tell you what, you don't have to get into it like I get into it because maybe I get a little crazy, um, but I love feeling the words of God and, and song overflow me and it overtakes me and I can't help myself. I'm, I'm, I'm all in at all times, hands raised, singing loudly, just making probably a fool of myself, but speaking much of the gospel of Christ and who God is and what Jesus has done in my life. Um, and so I'm not saying you got to go all in, but guys, the majority of us, when I look at, at a church service and we are dead and we are called to be leaders in the kingdom of Christ. And so when our kids sit there and they just watch us stand there with our hands in our pockets, not singing and just like, okay, this is good stuff. How are we, how, how are they supposed to look at worshiping God when all they see us is just sitting like stumps on a log not doing anything and maybe opening our mouth a little bit, but not even loud enough for anybody to hear. I mean, we're just mumbling words. Um, man, we deserve to give it all to Christ because of what he's done for us. And are we going to do that? Are, are we going to open ourselves up to allow others to see us worship him in song? You know, back when early when we got married, uh, Chelsea and I were at a church up in Brevard, North Carolina, and uh, they did contemporary music. And again, I'm going to tell you what, I, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you are. But if you're sitting in proximity of me at a worship service, you're going to hear me singing. And let me tell you something, guys. I have an awful voice. I can't carry a tune. It probably sounds like nails on a chalkboard. But here's the beauty of it. It says that Jesus intercedes on our behalf. And I fully believe that he does that while I'm singing. And so while I'm singing, if you hear it, it sounds awful. But Jesus is up there like auto-tuning me so that God himself hears an angelic noise. And so I believe that fully. And so if you don't have a voice, guess what? Jesus intercedes on your behalf. So go out unashamed and let it happen. But while we were at this church, uh, we didn't have kids yet. And I was sitting there and we, man, we were having worship and it was and it was bumping. I was loving it. I was enjoying it. I had my hands up. I was singing. And I had my eyes closed. But I, I opened them for a minute. And there's an older couple in front of me. And the lady just kept turning around and looking at me. Turning around looking at me. And I, I just, I didn't care. I just kept singing. Well, eventually, she leans over and says something to her husband. She turns around and looks at me one more time. And she literally takes her fingers and puts them in her ears right in front of me. I mean, we're, we're worshiping God here, and she's like, you are so bad that I am going to plug my ears because, <laughs> because I don't know if I was distracting her or what, but my heart was right. I was not trying to be, you know, distracting or anything. I was literally just using the voice God gave me to worship him, and uh, man, I died laughing. Uh, my wife died laughing. She was like, I can't believe that, and then me being me, I just sang louder. Um, I was like, if she's going to plug her ears, I'm going to get past those plugs and she's going to keep on hearing me because I'm worshiping my God, my creator. Um, and so, men, are we worshiping him in our in our song? Uh, but more importantly, just in our, our words, in our speech, in our tone, and how we talk to our kids and our families and our coworkers and people, are our words and is our direction of our mouth being used to glorify God and to worship him. You know, James talks about this in James chapter three. Um, he talks about taming the tongue. 
And in chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. And so here's the thing, guys. Worship is more than just singing songs at church. Worship is a total attitude and a total reverence and adoration for the Lord. And so do the words we speak on a daily basis, are they silencing the rocks in our lives? Or are we causing our words to not be worshiped, but to, you know, I always ask myself this, is what I'm about to say is it building the kingdom of Christ or is it tearing it down? Is what I'm about to say, is it going to bring others closer to this, this Savior named Jesus? Or is it going to push them further away? And James confronts it full on. He says, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in his likeness of God. So think about that on a daily basis. How you treat people, how you talk to people, how you interact with people, your gossip, your, your slander. The words you use, even in a work time setting. Look, I've, I've grown up working in construction and outside and road crews and all this stuff. I know the language and, and the type of talk that goes on there. And it's become justified as, well, this is just how, you, how we do it here. I'm going to tell you what, that is not a valid excuse. Because if Christ is in us, then we are to, we are to give glory and honor to him in our words no matter what circumstance we are in. And so how, how awful is it? I mean, James kind of puts it right out there is that on Sunday mornings, we bless the Lord, our father with our mouths, but on Monday mornings, when something doesn't go right at work, we curse others that cause the pain that is, you know, or something didn't go right. We, we talk down to them or we yell at them, um, our tone and how we say it. Maybe we're cursing, um, you know, I've always said how we treat people and how we talk to people will resemble more about our heart and where we stand with the Lord than anything. And so I know for my own life, like I try and teach my kids, like when we're walking through the grocery store, or we're going to check out and there's a, there's a cashier behind, you know, they're waiting to check us out. And almost always they have a name tag. Well, I'm teaching my kids that they have a name tag for a reason. They have a name. They're not just there to service. They are a human being. They are a person in which God has created. And so I'm very intentional to read their name tag and say the girl back there, her name's Samantha. I'm very adamant in front of my kids of saying, hey, Samantha, how's your day going today? Calling her by name because she's been given a name. God has created her for a purpose. And just that simple acknowledgement of, hey, you're here and I acknowledge you is huge. And it's just simply done with some words. And so are our words, what we use and how we talk and the tone in which we talk to others, is it worshiping God? Is it pleasing God in what, in what we say? Um, see, the tongue is, is a powerful thing. If you enjoy this podcast, you should check out The Hands of a Warrior, a 30-day devotional specifically for men. Too many dads these days are complacent. 
They're watching from the sidelines as they leave their child's eternity in the hands of the world. Men are refusing to accept their biblical role as a spiritual leader in the home and are failing their families, their children, and their grandchildren. Why are the current generations fleeing the church in overwhelming numbers? Because too many fathers haven't prepared their children for battle, and the enemy is luring them away. The Hands of a Warrior is a 30-day devotional. It's short, it's simple, and to the point, just like these podcasts. So if you want something a little more hands-on, this is the way to go. You can learn more at nimrod.doors.com. So the second way we worship is in our actions, our attitude, our behavior, and our obedience. Psalms 95.6 says, Come let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord and our Maker. So what we see here is actual, actually action steps. It's not just verbal. It is we are putting ourselves in a um, position um, of, of worship through our actions. And we see this when the psalmist talks about, let us kneel before the Lord. It is purely a, a posture of worship. You know, Ephesians 2.10 says, our, Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the way we worship God is also by how we, our actions, our attitude, our behavior, our obedience, it is how we walk forward in Christ. It is, it is the life we live in for others is actually an act of worship. We are silencing the rocks in our lives by how we walk through this life, how we treat others. I know in my own life, I am constantly, I, I think that attitude is a, is a huge thing in showing others who Christ is. And so in my own life, I'm always trying to um, interact with people and, and show them the love of Christ. And one thing I do in my life, uh, with my kids is when we're at the grocery store or we're out and about, normally there's always a cashier checking us out or there's a waitress or a waiter, uh, and they almost always have a name tag. Well, they wear a name tag for a reason, but I don't think hardly anybody ever acknowledges their name tag, but what do they do? Like a waitress comes to your table and she's like, Hey, I want to let you know, my name's Samantha. I'm here to serve you, blah, blah. They tell you their name, but then what do we do? We're just like, hey, you, come do this. Hey, you, go do that. We don't acknowledge them for their name, um, and our name is important. And so one thing I do with my kids is I want them to see that I'm acknowledging who that person is and who God created them to be. So whether we're checking out the grocery store and or, you know, a waitress or a waiter, I acknowledge them by name, and I say, hey, how are you doing today? How, how's, life, how's life going you know, and I try to engage them as an actual human being, not just someone there to serve me and to meet my needs. Um, and so my actions and my attitude, I try my best to show others who Christ is. Um, and I'm trying to model that for my kids. But one thing I'll tell you, you know, when I'm busy and I'm, I'm going and I'm focused, man, sometimes I'm like a freight train and I'm just blowing past people. Um, and a lot of people probably see that and they're like, man, he don't care about me. He's just, he's so focused on who he is. Men, if we call ourselves Christians, we need to focus on the people that are around us. We need to have an awareness of the people that are around us, and we need to show them the love of Jesus. I know we are busy and we got things to do, but if we miss the people that are around us in pursuit of what we are trying to do, we're not showing Jesus. We're not, we're not worshiping him because Jesus was always, always about the people. But 
The question is, are we walking in obedience? Not just moral living, but genuinely asking God, what do you want from me today? Here's the thing. I think it's, it's kind of easy to worship God with our mouth. It, it, you know, that's kind of easy. Worship song comes on, we do it. Um, it may even be easy for us to worship God in our actions, in our attitude, um, in our behavior. Um, we can modify that. We can set ourselves up. We can put safeguards around ourselves to really, you know, put ourselves in the greatest position to worship God in that way. But here's a tough one. Are we worshiping God in our obedience? And, and here's the thing, guys. This is something that has been wrecking my soul for a couple of years now is God did not ask us to just live a morally good life. He asked us to live a life of obedience. See, Jesus didn't die on the cross just so that we could live a morally good life and go through life doing good actions and, and doing this. He's asked us to be obedient. And I'm not talking about being obedient with just checking a box of making a smile and telling others about Jesus. I'm talking about being obedient and literally every morning waking up and saying, God, what do you want from me today? And literally setting yourselves up in a position where you're sitting at the feet of Jesus saying, what do you want from me today? And when he says, go do something, we say, yes, sir. And we just go do it. And maybe a lot of times it doesn't make sense to the world of why we're doing things. Um, you know, I've had countless conversations with a buddy of mine um, up in North Carolina. And man, just to see how God is, is transforming him and, and moving him forward. But him just talking about how, man, just a couple of years ago, he ran his business a certain way. And it was a successful business. But man, the Holy Spirit has gotten a hold of him and he's realized that it's not all about making money. It's not all about having a huge business. Does he still need to provide for his family and for his employees? Absolutely. But the way he does business now makes no sense to the rest of the world, especially to the lost, especially to people that are so focused on merely just making money. They look at him and they're like, what do you, what do you mean you're not working today? And he's like, I'm, I'm going to go sit down and talk to somebody about Jesus. Um, and yeah, he still has responsibilities. He still has things to do, but his focus has gotten away from how much he can do in the business world to how much can I do for the kingdom of Christ? And his business allows him the opportunity to do that. Um, and it provides well for a lot of people. And that's amazing. But it's been a mental shift in his brain. And he's literally waking up every day saying, okay, God, what do you want from me today? And how do I move forward? And how do I show others Jesus? And so I think this is a this is a major flaw in the world today, especially in a Christian culture of we've never gotten to the point of worshiping God in our obedience. Most of us worship him with our mouth. Most of us worship him with our attitude. But do we worship him in our obedience? And when he tells us to go do something, we go do it. And quite frankly, the majority of us as men have never sat at the feet of Jesus and asked that question. Lord, what do you want from me today? So lastly, and this is the one where I'm, man, I'm struggling tremendously. Um, and that's worshiping in our soul. Psalms 103.1 says, praise the Lord, my soul, all my innermost being, praise his holy name. See, are we praising God in our innermost being 
And are we silencing the rocks in our mental space? What do I mean by that? What, what do I mean by are we silencing the rocks in our mental space? Well, here's the truth of the matter. Growing up, especially in the Baptist church, I was always told like, you know, don't do this. You know, these, these are things you don't do. These are sins. You shouldn't act that way. Um, it was all outward sins. Nobody ever really discussed about the wretchedness of my soul. I mean, yeah, it's in Scripture. Maybe it was touched on, but it was not very. It was not not very high. It wasn't highlighted very much. It, it's something where we talk we talk about all the time. Like, this is what you got to do. It, 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 bottom line, it becomes down to behavior modification. All we've expected out of people in the church is behavior modification. As long as they look this way, act this way, talk this way, then they, they, are, they are great Christians. And by all outward appearance, maybe, but Scripture says that man does not see as God sees. Man looks at the outward appearance where God looks at the inward. And so if we are truly wanting to transform our lives into the likeness of Christ, it is not just our outward being. It is our innermost being that we need to be most concerned about because at the end of the day, our outward being, our flesh will fail and will fade away and will be, will be eaten by worms. But our soul is what is going to live forever with Christ. Our soul is the eternal being inside of us. And so we, we focus so much on the outward. We focus so much on the flesh and, and getting that right. But we don't spend much time in correcting our soul. And here's the thing. Like, we talk about, you know, anger. We talk about lust. All those things are soul issues. I mean, Jesus, Jesus confronts it straight up. Like, in Matthew chapter 5, he talks about anger. He talks about lust. He talks about a bunch of things. But in, in chapter 5, verse 21, it says... You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable for judgment. Well, yeah, so murder is a is a action. Murder is a um, outward behavior. But then Jesus just hits it dead on, dead on the head, and he confronts it for what it is, and he says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, and whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there for before the altar and go. Well, here's the truth of the matter. I can't tell you how many times in my life there's been anger and bitterness kindled in my heart. But yet when I see that individual, I can put a smile on. I can shake their hand and say, hey, what's up, man? No big deal. Blah, blah, blah. But inside, deep inside in my soul, where no one can see except for me and God, I am anger and I angry and I am bitter. See, I need to I need to work on that. I, that's something that I need to, you know, try and create a worshipful, worshipful attitude in my soul. Something that no one else is gonna see, something that no one else will know about. But here's the truth of the matter our soul is what is most important. You know, it goes on in Matthew 5, and it, it talks about lust. And it says in verse 27, You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. That is an outward action. 
But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Men, let me tell you something. Every one of us are adulterer, just slobs and destined to hell men. Because we've all lusted. It, it's something we've done. But at, at the end of the day, the most, most majority of people that have come in contact with me would say, man, he is a great great man. And he treats others with respect. He treats other women with respect. He treats wives with respect. He treats, um, treats these ladies as daughters of Christ. But guys, they don't know my inward thoughts. They don't know my soul. They don't know what I truly think. And yeah, I look, it's okay to look at a, a woman and, a, and acknowledge her beauty and how God created her. But inside our hearts and inside our souls, are we lusting? And therefore, we, we are committing a sin in a place, in, in, a, in a moment in which nobody can acknowledge and no one can see except for God himself. And yet, that is what is most important is our soul is wretched. And so are we focusing on correcting and, and mitigating the life we live in our soul and is, is our soul worshiping Christ? And if, he, if it's not, then we need to get our, our, our life in order. See, I know my thoughts, and I know what goes through my head. I know when days are tough and hot here in the Georgia heat and things at work are not going well, I know what goes through my mind. I know the words that come through my mind. And am I focused on that? Am I focused on creating that? Or am I focused on... Just saying, well, it's inside my mind. Nobody will hear it. Nobody will know about it. But men, if we are going to truly worship God, and all we ever do is worship him with our mouth, that is just lip service. That's not actually who we are. If we worship him with our words and our actions and our behavior, man, that's great. But at the end of the day, words are just lip service and actions are just behavior modification. That is not truly who we are. What we need to focus on is literally worshiping God in our soul and our innermost being. See, we need to have an attitude in which not just the outward appearance is worshiping God, but our inward soul is worshiping Him as well. And that's something that no one else can know except for ourselves. But as men, we need to challenge ourselves to focus on that and to push forward. Are we silencing the rocks in our lives? And here's what's interesting is if really, if truly rocks would sing out because we are not worshiping him, I think we would be surprised if we surrounded ourselves by a bunch of rocks and we were worshiping with our mouth and we were worshiping with our, our behavior and our actions. And yet the rocks would still cry out louder than we could because our souls are wretched and depraved. That's what we need to focus on. And let me tell you what, that is the root of who we are. We can, we can fool ourselves and we can fool everybody else with our words and actions. But we can't fool God in how we worship him with our soul or lack thereof. So my challenge for you today is, are we worshiping God? And men, look, if you want to stand in church and you will put your hands in your pockets, look, that, that's between you and God. But really what I want you to focus on is, are you worshiping God in your soul, in your innermost being, and who he created you to be? 
Are you, are you worshiping him in your thoughts, in your mind, the things that no one will ever know except for God himself? Does he look at that and say, man, that's, that's good. He is worshiping me. And I know the brain. It works fast and it works quick. And men, we are visual and something pops in front of us on the TV or we're at the beach. You get what I'm saying. Do we have the availability to acknowledge it as quick as it comes into our mind and push it out and say, no, God, I'm going to focus on who you are and who you created me to be? Or am I going to dwell on that and stay in that? Are we worshiping God in our innermost being? Let's worship him with our words. Let's worship him with our actions. But let's also worship him with our innermost being. That's my challenge for you today. Let's stay humble, let's stay focused, and let's keep pressing on. Y'all have a great day. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors, find us on Facebook or look us up at nimrodoutdoors.com. We hope you have a great day, and we hope to see you next time.